Good morning. For the past 30 years, Amy and I have lived in New Providence, and throughout that whole time, I have struggled with something, and it's this. It's keeping our lawn looking healthy. Our lawn through most of the years has been nothing short of anemic. Bare spots, weeds, even mushrooms, until recently. A couple of months ago, I was out in my backyard cutting the yard, and I noticed something unusual. It was that my lawn was starting in the backyard to look really great. And I looked over at our neighbor's lawn, which had always looked really good, and I realized that their healthy lawn was encroaching into my anemic lawn and getting it to a point that it looked very much like theirs. I want to hold that up as an illustration of what can happen in a, in a person's life, especially a person's spiritual life, where in the midst of the struggles and the challenges of life, when you embed yourself in with fellow believers who can influence you and help you become so much more, it's something that I want to hold up to us this morning. So many people, and I think especially in this moment in history, in the middle of a global pandemic, in the middle of so many things going on in America and literally around the world, struggling, being challenged to be all that God's called us to be, tired, weak, stuck, anemic. Man, if that that describes you this morning, I want you to know that there is hope. Hope that can be found in the Lord Jesus. Hope that can be found as the Spirit of God comes alive in our hearts and in our lives and in who we are. Man, when we are are struggling, when we're off base, Jesus again and again comes. And he comes intimately. He comes tangibly. Matthew 11 is as true today as it was when these words were first spoken. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, weak, tired, anemic, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and and learn from me. I, I am gentle and humble in heart. In me you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke, my yoke is easy. My burden My burden is light. There is hope found in Jesus as he comes into your life in very specific and tangible ways. And there's hope to be found in the Holy Spirit as he comes in power. And he does come in power. He is a force to be reckoned with as we've been discovering through this series taken from the book of the Acts. You who are tired, weak, stuck, anemic, Jesus says in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. Listen, if this week hasn't been the best for you, if you over these past weeks and months have struggled and and you would describe your life as, as very much a struggle in the midst of a global pandemic, as a result of this past week turmoil in the election, whatever, know this. Jesus can and will give you rest. 
The Holy Spirit can and will recharge your life. He will empower you to live your life as he intended you and created you to live. Rest and empowerment. Those, those are two words that, I don't know about you, but I long for in my life. Those are things that bring true hope and joy and peace and purpose. Those are things that come with a, through a personal relationship with Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit in you and working through you for great impact. I want to hold up to you a person, a man found in Acts 8 this morning, a man who seemed to have it all together, but in fact, I think if he was honest and in the quiet moments of his life, he was a man that was very much like my backyard before he had the impact of the true gospel looking one way on the outside, but really down deep inside, was very, uh, very sick and not well at all. A man who literally had on the outside the nickname, The Great One, but it turned out, really, when you scratched beneath the surface, he was anything but great. The man's name is, is Simon, and he's found, his story is found in Acts chapter 8. Simon lived in Samaria, which was a land that, where people practiced sort of a mixed bag of religiosity from Judaism to pagan worships, and they sort of meshed it all together. Samaritans were always open to new and kind of wild things, so Simon, who was a world-class-in-his-day magician, fit right in. Simon wasn't just any magician. He was, he was a great one. And as a result, he became famous and sought out and rich. Wherever he went and performed, the people were amazed, Scripture records. This man is literally the power of God that is called great, they said, of him. Simon the Great, they called him. Listen, if you have people telling you how great you are, you know it, it'll go to your head. And that's exactly what it did to Simon. Life was good for Simon on the outside, but inside was a whole different matter. And you know that God is always concerned about what's going on inside you. Enter Philip. Acts 8.5. You read him coming on the scene. Now, don't get this Philip in Acts 8 confused with the Apostle Philip. The, the two are not the same person. This Philip is, is called an evangelist, and he is. He's called and gifted to preach about Jesus, the Messiah. And preach he does to the people of, of, of Samaria. And not just preach, but God uses him to do amazing things, to cast out demons and to heal the sick. People were watching and responding to what they saw in Philip. And Simon was also watching. And you, and you can just picture his, his brain working. Whoa, you could just picture Simon saying, uh, Philip's tricks are way better than mine. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. I'm, I'm losing my audience. Thinking that sometimes it's better to join them when you can't beat him, Simon, like so many other Samaritans listening and watching Philip, decided to believe 
and to be baptized. And, and scripture records in Acts 8 that he was. Now, now, I don't know what was really going on in Simon's heart. Um, it's not for me to judge. It's never appropriate to size up what's going on in another person's heart. But I will say this, that from that moment on, Simon's life doesn't seem to well reflect a walk with Jesus, a relationship with Jesus. You give your life to Jesus, you become baptized in his name. As scripture records, Simon said he did. Your life, your words should and, and will reflect that. Simon's didn't. Not in the rest of Acts 8, which is the only place that we find him, and not in the apocryphal writings, the other writings of the day that didn't make it into the Bible. He's mentioned often in other writings of the day, and it's not pretty. Here's the deal. Our true self always comes out through our actions, through our speech, through, through our conduct and our relationships. The old adage holds, holds true. You can fool some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time, but you can never really fool all the people all the time. Your true heart, your true self comes out in your life for all to see. And definitely, it's very apparent in Acts 8 that you could never fool Peter. Peter was a true pastor. Peter was in tune with the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts 8.14, Peter and John come on the scene. Luke records that Peter and John, hearing what was going on in Samaria, decided to go and, and see what was going on and have impact there. And so they did. And once they got to Samaria, they gathered with the new converts and, and spent time with them, praying for them and helping them step deeper into the move of the Spirit the ways of the Spirit of God. And apparently, reading between the lines, Simon didn't join in with them, with the crowd, with the teaching and the prayer and the time with, with Peter and with John. Why? Why did he hang back? I mean, I have my hunches, but, but, but I don't really know. Luke records that eventually, Simon approaches Peter, apparently alone. Like, Peter, can I talk to you for a minute? And he offers him money in order to receive the Holy Spirit. Peter's response in verse 20 is, is one that I can't even repeat here, not verbatim. And you can read it for yourself. Acts 8 verse 20. Peter's response to Simon's offering money as a bribe to be able to receive what he sees happening in other people's lives. Peter had heard about Simon, and he knew his heart. And so let's just say that he says to Simon where he can take and put his money and himself. And the word literally translated there, and take a look for yourself what word your translation uses, but the Greek word literally translated in verse 20 is perdition. Uh, I think the NIV says perish. Hell is a literal translation of the word there, 
that Peter uses telling, telling Simon where he can take his money and himself. May your money perish with you, he says. Th those are incredibly strong words. Peter had heard all about Simon, and he was able to read through and ask and see what he was really about. And like any good pastor, Peter was able to peer into Simon's heart and see the truth behind the facade. Simon, he says, your heart is not right before God. And the question this morning is this, is your heart <clears throat> right before God? To answer that, you have to be honest with yourself. And only you can answer that question for yourself. No one else can. Though sometimes it helps to have someone in your life who understands you and loves you enough to help you be honest with yourself. And for Simon, that was Peter. Peter saw that Simon's heart was self-centered. He had spent most of his life, Simon had, his adult life with people telling him how great he was. It had gone to his head, so it's no surprise that he was centered on himself. All that praise and adulation had turned him incredibly narcissistic. And, and in many ways, Simon would have fit right in to our narcissistic culture in which we live. Yes, Simon would fit right in here. He, he'd have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, even more on, on Facebook, people hanging on his every word on Twitter, watching his magical videos on YouTube and, and TikTok. How about you? How much time do you spend curating yourself, whether online or, or in, uh, in person? Addicted to the applause, Simon was in love with himself, and Peter saw right into that. Second, Peter saw that Simon was money-centered, which is really more to say he was addicted to power that came with the resources that he had. There's nothing wrong with money and influence in and of itself. But Simon used money to get control, to have things given to him, including, and this is so incredibly dangerous, religious favors. In fact, the word simony, which is not a word I was familiar with, but in prep, preparing for this message, discovered it, simony, which comes after the name Simon and this story in Acts 8, literally means the buying or selling of ecclesiastical privilege. For example, pardons or religious favors. How about you? Do you see your position in life, your resources as a way to get favor with God and with other people? Or do you use what God's given you in, in ways that honor him and you give it back to him? Simon was self-centered. He was, he was money power-centered. And thirdly, Simon was other-centered in, in not a healthy way, always trying to pass his problems he was on to others. And, and you know where that ends up when you try to do that. After Peter told him he and his money would end up perishing in hell, Simon got worried about that, like he took that apparently serious, that that might actually happen. And rather than take responsibility 
for it and his own life and his own future, he, and, and change his attitude, he tried to pass the responsibility back on to Peter. Peter, he said, uh, please pray for me. Peter, please make sure that doesn't happen to me. Peter, please, I put this on you, back on you now. This would be like you or me going up to a, a pastor or a trusted friend, weighed down with a major problem and just throwing it back on them, actually blaming them for calling us out on something they see in our life. You, me, we are responsible for our own lives and our own well-being. And to pass on to others our problem is not a healthy thing to do. And so Peter looked right into Simon's heart and saw someone that was self-focused, focused on, on the fact that he had influence through money and through, through other ways to influence others. And someone who was constantly deflecting and, and putting his problems back on other people. Peter saw all that in Simon's life, and he called him out on it. He told him the truth. And so the question this morning is this. Do you have someone in your life that knows you well enough, who loves you enough to tell you the truth about you? And, and I don't mean that rhetorically. Like, could you write that person's name down? And if you can't, may, may you find someone like that, a friend, a spouse, a pastor, a mentor, a therapist, someone who cares enough, who you trust, to encourage you on the journey to health and well-being. We, we all need people like that in our life. Someone who cares enough to call you on what you really are, to call you to repentance first and foremost. Starting in the heart, Peter says to Simon in Acts 8, repent of this wickedness of yours. Now, that's not easy to hear. That's not pleasant to hear. None of us want to hear that said to us. To repent is to turn around, to change, to stop in your tracks, to shift focus, to change heart. The, the Hebrew word, there's a couple of words translated repent in the Old Testament, um, one is Sube, which is repeated like 800 times. So it's one of the great themes of the Old Testament, literally meaning to return, to seek, to restore, turning around, going and thinking now a way that's different from the way you were going and thinking before. Repentance is what John the Baptist calls in, in his crying out in the wilderness. I have not come, Jesus says in Luke 5, to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. That is what Jesus says to us today. That is why Jesus came to earth. Peter challenges Simon to repent of his wickedness, his, his sin. And apparently uh, he didn't do that when he, as, as Luke records in Acts, came to faith and was baptized. His heart and his actions betray that. 
I don't think it's judgmental to suggest in the story of Simon that he did not change his ways at that moment of coming to faith and being baptized. How about you this morning? Is God calling you to repent, to turn around, to stop, to wake up, to move in a different direction? May you have the courage to do that. And it does take great courage to repent. May you have someone in your life to help you do that. Because not only does it take courage, but it is tough to do alone. May you have a true friend that will call you to repentance. And second, may you have someone in your life to challenge you to prayer to pray. Peter does that to Simon. He challenges Simon to pray, heartfelt. He looks Simon in the eye and he says this, pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Man, that's a, that's a powerful statement. And there's no guarantee there apparently. Pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. I think another way of him saying that is cry out to God, beg God for help here, because this will not be easy. Just by praying doesn't mean that all will change. I see the bitterness in your heart, Peter says. He calls him out on that. I see the fact that you are captive to your sin, Simon. I can see that. You can deny that it exists, but I'm a relative stranger to you, and I see it in your life. Your only hope, Peter says to Simon, is for you to cry out to God in prayer and beg him to forgive you and to heal you, and this will not be easy. How about you? Do you have the courage this morning? Do you have the desire this morning to get specific with your sin before God? To go to him in prayer, to confess literally where you're at with him and with things around you, your actions, your heart, to confess, to beg him for forgiveness. May you, may you do that today. May you today experience a freedom and a liberation from the things that bind you and hold you back and from the things that ultimately will destroy your life. May you do that today. May you experience a freedom that comes from the gracious hand of a giving and powerful Father. Repentance, prayer for forgiveness, and finally, Submission. Peter calls Simon to submit to the move of the Spirit in his life. Voluntarily, heart, heartfelt submission. That, that is a powerful thing. And sadly, he doesn't do it. You know, at its heart, um, that the act of, of baptism is an act of submission. When the person willingly goes down, submits to the one baptizing in Jesus' name, to submit to the will of the Spirit. 
is a dynamic, powerful thing. And sadly, Simon doesn't do it. Instead, he passes the buck, as I mentioned earlier, to Peter. Pray for me, Peter. Make sure I don't lose my money. Make sure I don't end up perishing in hell forever. Uh, you're with God. You can take care of me. You, please make sure that I'm okay. How about you this morning? Are, are, are you taking responsibility for your own life here? Or, or, or are you passing the buck on to someone else? It's my parents' fault. It's, it's my kids' fault. It's the government's fault. It's my pastor's fault. May you and I have the courage to take responsibility for our own lives. Listen, Simon had his moment here with Peter. He had a moment. It came and it went. And it ends abruptly. Like once Peter kind of shoves, or Simon shoves stuff back on, his life back on Peter, that's the end of it. There's no more mention of him what happens next, other than in the apocryphal writings, as I mentioned. And uh, it isn't pretty. He fumbles around a wasted life, and in the end, the only thing we remember him for is, is the English word simony, uh, which isn't good. What about you? What will you be remembered for? What will be your legacy? What will be um, uh, your, your memory? Will your life in the end, when it's all said and done, be remembered for one, and especially your spiritual life, one that's anemic, a wasted life? Or will it be one that will be remembered for the Spirit of God coming alive and using you in ways that you could have never dreamed possible? May you and me, like Simon, repent of our sin. May we pray for forgiveness. May we respond and submit to the power of the Holy Spirit. And many times that involves responding and submitting to people around us that love us. May we be nourished in the days ahead. May we come alive in ways that we never dreamed possible. May you and I fully know the freedom and the life of freedom that comes through repentance and forgiveness. And may you and I be led by the Spirit into a future that is good and into a life that really matters, a life that is consequential and leaves an impact for generations to come. Let's, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for all the ways that you bring us back to you. You do it again and again. You are so very patient. you call us to repentance? Would you forgive us of our sin? Would you fuel our life as we submit to the Spirit? Would you use us and the privilege of that for your kingdom's advancement here on earth as it already is in splendor in heaven? Thank you for hope. Thank you for a peace and a joy that comes in our life through submission to you, Jesus. In your name we pray.
Amen.